Hello and welcome to episode number eight of our podcast. My name is Elliot Greenman. I'm Alexia Neil. And this episode is about, uh, it's the introduction to the first part of our course on how to understand chronic or persistent, persistent pain. pain. Yes. Uh, we go through some of the basics that are covered in the course. Mm-hmm. Um, A bit the plan of the course as well with the different, the different parts in the course. It's pretty uh, succinct way. It's like a glossary a little bit, like a... Almost like an index. Index, that's it, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And a lot of things we've covered before, but mm-hmm. this is, as you say, much more succinct and it's all kind of in one place. In one place, that's yeah. it. So, yeah. If we, hope, you, we hope you enjoy. Yeah. And then do not hesitate to comment and uh, follow us on our uh, Instagram, especially. Perambulations in Franglais. Let's start, and we're going to talk about um, pain and the course that yeah, we've been working on a little bit yeah. together. Superb. Um, but I think it would be a good idea to start from the start, yeah, and m- maybe introduce yourself to me, yeah, and yeah. then and then kind of say why you decided to start, maybe learning a little bit more and about and, pain and saying, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, my name is Alexi Enel. I'm an osteopath and I've been uh, very interested in um, those patients who came to me who had uh, recurrent ailments for no apparent reason. And that was, I think, starting to be a bit of a bugbear a little bit. And I've um, really looked into an awful lot of the literature and and uh, on, on the musculoskeletal rehabilitation, on visceral, anat- uh, visceral osteopathy, and a lot of uh, neurophysiology as well. And I was quite interested in understanding a bit more how... How to frame, how, how to be able to work better with people who had uh, pains that seem to be um, persisting a, a lot, basically. And I've done, uh, um, I was interested as well with uh, an approach of uh, um, counseling and psychotherapy called the Human Given. And I've gone to several courses, and they tend to. Uh, one of those was about pain as well, mm-hmm. and about a biopsychosocial model of pain, mm-hmm. which was quite a, a bit of an eye opening type thing because as an osteopath, you're very. Uh, you're really treating. Oh, we treat the, we treat the body as a unit, as one of the principles. But actually, you end up treating just bodies, really, <laughs> in a way. And a lot of the uh, of my colleagues, or some of my colleagues at least, uh, tend to. And a lot of the musculoskeletal professions, rehabilitation professions, tend to be a bit obsessed by the tissue causing pain, and it completely kind of dis like takes you away from people in a way, and you look at really anatomical thing, pathological processes and things which actually doesn't really help you to treat people in a way. So human givens, I did a lot uh, about, uh, I've been very interested since uh, graduating as an osteopath like 17 years ago about the fascia. 
and that uh, uh, part of the connective tissue, which was so I've done quite a few courses on uh, myofascial release, and uh, I got introduced to the anatomy train with uh, Mr. Mayer, which is actually quite an interesting functional. Uh, model of thing and then not not taking one one muscle in isolation but looking at the way it's used for uh, movement basically yeah. so that was another thing as well and uh, yeah so and visceral osteopathy as well uh, all those organs and the fact that it's uh, uh, really integral part of my way of looking at things even from a mechanical point of view uh, in a human body basically but there's obviously other things and all of a sudden with that biopsychosocial model of pain the whole thing fell into place and basically the pain gate uh, model of pain which was like from the 1960s I think mid, mid 60s can't remember exactly who the neurologist who actually coined it um, but they were looking at the reason how different people were experiencing a different amount of pain uh, with a similar stimulus basically so when people were walking on hot coals it's pretty much as hot for everybody <laughs> But uh, some people were not experiencing as much pain as others mm. at all. And so they were wanting to understand how come maybe the brain was actually influencing the way pain was perceived, really, okay? And they looked at all different neurons, all the different uh, synapses and the different effectors, all those kind of stuff. And they came up with a bit of a framework, which is very embryological so there's three different layers and that's we've based the course on on that uh, on that framework basically okay so yeah so that's really how it really kind of evolved and to try to work better with people who, who were quite interested in knowing a bit more what was happening to them and uh, having a bit more tools and maybe increasing a bit how many strings to their bow they had to actually manage their pain, basically. Um, and I think that's quite an important uh, uh, thing that we hope to, as musculoskeletal specialists, uh, bring to people, basically. People need to be made a bit more responsible and, and their competence need to be kind of directed in the right direction for them to be able to uh, mitigate their pain without, too, without using too much medication. Basically, and using too, wasting too much time and the rest, really. So, is it is the course mainly for musculoskeletal specialists? Or no, no, especially actually, it's really. Well, we could do a bit more another course and go and delve a bit more in in uh, depth with all those different uh, modules and things like that, which actually we could. But it's really for the layman. As I think we've. We've tried to really word it in a way that can be understood by most people. And it's not because you might have a sciatica, you might have headaches, you might have IBS, you might have uh, asthma. It all applies quite nicely to all those different uh, elements, basically. So, yes, we, and we look at uh, knee pain, we can look at shoulder pain, we can look at neck pain, all those kind of stuff. But there's quite a much more that can be applied because it's about pain basically and pain uh, is really what is very important to redefine a little bit really and the way we tend to uh, approach it is really depending on how we define it really. that's the thing really so yeah 
a lot of people will benefit from that. Not only musculoskeletal specialists, but it is quite a good introduction to other osteopaths and chiropractors, maybe physios as well, because mm. it's quite a general thing. It's no, I'm, I've not invented anything. We've not coined a new thing. It's already something that is already there, and we introduce it in a quite sequential fashion to make it super digestible and super uh, really easy to understand. Really. Mm. It's like, um, so obviously we've, I've been filming you with this course and, mm-hmm. and so obviously learning about it along the way. And you mentioned the human givens and Joe Griffin and Ivan Tyrell who yeah. did the human givens and those little books that we have called Organi- Organizing Ideas. Ideas. I really like that as a term, yeah. but I also like it because it's like, that's kind of what this course is doing. Mm-hmm. It's essentially, it's nothing new mm-hmm. and we haven't come up with any you know, any new thing, thing that's it, that's but it's it. just organising some ideas and some really strong scientific, psychological, yeah. philosophical ideas and theories that seem to work really well together when it comes mm-hmm. to pain. And it helps us to redefine it and to maybe um, make it less a bit of a dead end. And if we add a little bit of meaning to the whole thing, we can maybe have an open-ended type uh, discussion about pain rather than to completely, like, well, you're in pain, take the painkillers and then that's it, really. Or, or the, I think it was like a housemate or a friend I was talking to recently or like, because it's really hard to explain persistent pain or chronic pain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, take take the painkiller, maybe do something for like a couple of weeks, then it doesn't go away. So you come back and then you have an x-ray, then you have this, and then you have another thing, and then and no one can find anything really, really? other than maybe a very, very small yeah. something. No one can really find any reason for the pain. That's it, that's it, that's it. It's like, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. So what, um, that now that we've kind of, talked a little bit about persistent and chronic pain yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and acute pain yeah so yeah, acute and chronic yeah that's it that's a way to defi- redefine it really because a lot of people are going to be like oh I've got neuropathic pain oh I've got uh, I've got uh, all sorts of pain it's like loads of different type of pain when actually uh, pain is just pain <laughs> and the tissue causing pain is your brain Mostly. And that's the same whether no, it's acute or chronic pain. No right? brain, no pain. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's, pr- it's pretty much like that. Okay? Um, no brain, no pain. And no, I think the acute and the persistent part of the, the, the divide between the two is just about the, the, the tissue damage. I think that's, that's one thing. We really associate pain with tissue damage. So you sprain your ankle or you break your arm. <laughs> like if I say, oh, you, be careful, you're going to break your arm. And then you, if you do so, well, maybe you withdraw a bit from the activity because you know if you break your arm, it's going to be pretty painful. Okay? That's the whole thing. Really, mm-hmm. Okay? But, uh, so in everybody's mind, pain is about tissue damage. When actually there's a lot of pain out there that has got no tissue damage. And that would fit into chronic to, pain? Into persistent pain. Persistent pain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you, why do you call it persistent? And not uh, chronic is again another word that tells, tells us that it's never going to end. 
mm. it's chronic it's it's going to be like ever everlasting persistent it's uh, maybe finite in time yes it lasts for a while but it stops mm. chronic, like it's, chronic it's, is going to be like forever basically. yeah chronic almost sets the story up to be really like like a really big horrible thing long standing long standing thing it's going to be really intense and it's going to be there forever that's it that's it that's it whereas so you prime yourself persistent is just like yeah it's persistent it's it's it's, it's, it's there and it's annoying and but it will end yeah it will end or it can end or it can end exactly um I know you said at the start um and like obviously we've been talking about this for a long time so I, I know I've got a pretty good gist of what you're talking about but um, I guess one of the fascinating things for me is like wh- like why why did you start and when did you start looking into things uh, like the for no apparent reason and the chronic pain and you know people coming back to you uh, yeah, yeah. like every other month or something yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then like when so you you, you became qualified from, from the uh, osteopathic school in Kent Kent yeah it's a European school yeah and that was 17 years ago yeah and you've been practicing ever since yeah at what point did you notice mm. like oh mm. I'm not like why am I not able to completely heal this person's yeah, 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 bad yeah. lower back yeah or? yeah because to start with as a therapist you want to help people or you pretend you want to help people mm-hmm. and and maybe it's not really very clear that you actually maybe want to help yourself and <laughs> rather than help others but you can help yourself using others and you really want to make people better yeah. and, and after a while you start to come across certain people where that way, the way of thinking as a therapist doesn't really work so you have to actually assess that a little bit and bizarrely it's when I started to treat animals and, and um, treating animal and seeing that the discomfort the animal is uh, experiencing uh, once you've addressed the musculoskeletal chain uh, muscular myofascial not really especially visceral but you take into account uh, two of already of the um, of the peripheral modulation the pain goes straight away so just to clarify that that bit a little bit more is yeah. like the peripheral modulation is like peripherally oh yeah yeah no so it's like central is like your brain yeah. peripheral is the rest yeah that's it and so the, the so, layers the peripherals set up into three layers yeah. skin and then mm. muscle joint yeah and stuff and then and then gut right organ yeah. and so if when you address the skin and the muscle and the joint yeah the pain goes so, like looking at an anatomy train, because there are anatomy trains with horses as well. Mm-hmm. There are functional patterns of movement, all those kind of stuff. And you restore a symmetry between the right and the left and the front and the back. All of a sudden, the whole thing goes. So, why is it that you, why is it you can't do that with humans? And the main thing is the central modulation because we got a brain that actually is very um, complicated. Mm-hmm. I think the brain of the horse is as complex as a human, in a way, okay? With a different part, with a different reptilian brain, the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, the thalamus, the pineal glands, the geniculate, the whatever, okay? The, and not the cortices, all the rest, okay? But when it comes to humans, it's the way we use it, 
again, which is very complicated. And, and our central modulation is what actually hinders quite a lot of our actually, uh, or enhances our perception of pain or diminishes it. And that's what the pain gate was actually investigating, basically. Okay. Mm. So, um, yeah, and, it's a, and then that's what really treating animals really made me realize that it's actually, let's not despair. We, we, I was thinking humans were a bit flawed and it was too difficult to get rid of their pain completely. But actually, it's just a question of uh, maybe me not having been experienced enough to find the proper uh, framework to actually present to the patient for him to actually uh, use to help himself. Mm. Okay, rather than me uh, trying to do the whole thing in order to make them better. And I think that's, that's where the whole thing started to reframe itself and, and uh, stumbling upon one thing and another um, and started possibly quite peripherally uh, ended up having to investigate a bit what was happening uh, centrally in terms of uh, with hypnosis, with uh, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, with uh, all sorts of uh, different ways. And then I stumbled upon the human givens and their biopsychosocial model of pain. And I think it's an absolutely mind-boggling type thing and it's very, very relevant, basically. And um, a lot of what people suffer from when they are under a, a persistent pain a pattern or persistent pain under the spell of a persistent pain, there's a lot of inflammation. So that's the whole thing. There's an itis in the background, really. So it's uh, Achilles tendon itis. It's a uh, uh, myositis. It's uh, a <laughs> uh, anything itis. Okay, there's a little bit of that in the background, and and actually the expectation fulfillment theory of dreams that Joe Griffin, uh, well, he's a genius to have. It's like Einstein and looking at E equal mc square. It's almost a bit like it's almost too neat. It's almost too simple, but when you is, and it's articulated in such a, a, a I don't know like a, a neat and beautiful fashion that it's actually really exactly uh, describing reality. And it's, it's quite um, because you talk about Freud, we talk a lot about uh, Jung, we talk about uh, Lacan, we talk about all those psychotherapists and the way they've looked at the subconscious and all those kind of stuff and things. And they've been, uh, yes, they've been contributing to quite a lot uh, to the whole thing, but it scattered the whole profession completely, really. And, and again, I think uh, uh, psychotherapists treat the brain. Or they, also they think, or, or they try to treat people. But I'm pretty sure people who've got anxiety, uh, they, don't, they don't treat anxiety, they treat people who've got anxiety. And people who've got anxiety, they've got uh, uh, physical manifestations mm. of it, really. Mm. And, and, and I'm, tre I'm supposedly treating physical things, but uh, people who've got uh, IBS, well, maybe it's one part of that anxiogenic and that flight and fright mm. aspect of it and that's uh, related to the expectation for the human theory of dream and and it's uh, to do with sleep all those and it all of a sudden it completely fell into place it was like bang that's it I think that's possibly 
So the myofascial things, the animals, treating animals, uh, looking at uh, different techniques, visceral, and having a few patients have taught me that, uh, well, yeah, there's a bit more to be learned again, really, mm. and investigating things. And then you come across uh, um, Joe Griffin. Uh, I went to a couple of the human given the training uh, days, where well, I did most of the training days uh, to do the human uh, given diploma. In, uh, I've done it in Bristol and a bit in London. Yeah, it's, it's exactly that, really. The, it, it, I mean, it's just, it fits so well, you know, like people who are in pain don't sleep very well. Oh, that's quite strange. Yeah. Yeah, um, no one in pain would deny that. That's it, that's it, that's it. It's yeah. not, it's, oh no, I sleep like a baby when I'm in pain. Yeah. It's excruciating, yeah. but I sleep really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't. People don't sleep very well. Ah, oh, they don't sleep very well. How come? They dream quite a lot. Oh, yes dream a lot oh how come you dream a lot mm. all those red and things because the it's not a, a physical pain is not a physical manifestation and, and pain is not a brain or a, a, a mental uh, um, manifestation it's a bit of both it's a mind-body or body-mind. I'm not sure. I mean, we hope to... Maybe I think if we were to uh, do anything really productive about all that, we're to, we're to coin a word that would be quite easy for everybody to know what it's on about, which talks about mind and body, in a way. I've seen it written in a few places, um, like like mind, no space, plus body. Yeah. And I quite, I, I quite like that in a way because they, they are... We've treated them as separate things, and therefore it's oh, yeah. easy for people to vi- visualize, visually see them as separate things, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then understand what they're on about. That's but that's when that's you put them together with a plus, with no space, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it almost becomes one one thing, thing. Yeah, almost yeah. like an equation kind that's of it, it. kind of thing. It's but it still has that separate thing, and people yeah. like you're you're right. Like people do, we need to kind of remove people's separation of mm-hmm. the two things of course, of and course. even some people are like uh, including myself um it's like oh it looks like our body being in pain is communicating to to our mind or uh-huh. that oh maybe there's something that needs addressing maybe physically maybe centrally maybe peripherally maybe centrally yeah. but it's like well that probably also works the other way around as well in uh-huh. fact that is the other way around uh-huh. in fact it is it isn't one communicating to the other it's just a whole body that's it that's it that's it so thing. Even, even writing in mind plus body is a bit biased almost it's still a, not it's right a, it's not quite right because it's body plus mind as well mm. but it, by saying that it's not right either so <laughs> it's a bit weird it, um, um, no yeah so it's it's treating humans and, and, and I think the word is super, I'm very annoyed having to even use the word but it's quite holistic so it's all encompassing a little bit and I think that's what the yeah the, the magic of it is and, and your body is telling you something and is asking you to pay attention to it and bizarrely your brain at the same time is trying to figure out how to deal with the whole lot and maybe it's because he's trying to figure out how to deal with a lot and he cannot that is actually uh, highlighting you that there's something not quite right in your body and and vice versa and somebody who's got anxiety uh, is it really in their mind or is it in their body do they feel it palpitation have they got like a bit of a gut thing all those kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and that appet 
model as well is completely bonkers the activating agent the pattern matching the emotion or sensation and the thought really and that's I mean, I mean that's and again that's like super neat really the the way the whole sequence of events is happening really that's it really so all that philosophical way that is that we're imbibed in with that uh, Cartesian way of looking and uh, the mind and the body are two different things is an, uh, is, is lunacy basically we have to close that window yeah 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 there's a little bit of noise in the background noise yeah no it's a really it's uh, pain is a very special experience and there's a, maybe a few people who would argue that you're not alive without being in pain and when you're in pain there's nothing you're never more alive than when you're in pain <laughs> and there's a bit of something about consciousness and being alive that being in pain is a prerequisite part of being alive in a way so I think it's something quite fundamental we all share as well and that's quite an interesting interesting thing and having to contend with pain is a very very peculiar peculiar thing so we want people to be able to be able to debunk the whole thing and be able to step back um, uh, the other completely amazing a term that has been coined by the uh, with the human givens and Joe Griffin and Ivan Tyrell is called catextia and a context blindness. So that that means catextia means context, context blindness. Um, we live in a very humanistically driven world, and by by that you there's a couple of uh, axioms about it. What feels right must be right. What feels wrong must be wrong. And so it's about ex an experiential thing, okay? And the, the uh, uh, fact of being able to use reason in or, uh, uh, or your brain and reasoning in order to be able to make your, uh, to have a, de uh, a proper decision making. Uh, um, a decision making that is going to enhance your experience, basically. And it has to be rational. And that's, that's where the catextia makes you realize that a humanistic uh, framework is a complete lot of bollocks. The thing really. Because there is no way you can make an awful lot of decisions in a very rational fashion. And uh, if you fall in love uh, with somebody, uh, uh, sorry, like it's definitely not a rational experience you're having you're completely blinded by the whole lot and you're possibly but nonetheless anyway anyway it, it's quite an interesting mm. concept about the whole thing I think that's a good way to kind of um, talk about contextual context blindness because it's like you're so aroused in you know like first few dates and that's doing that's this it. with that person and having that connection that's and that's blah 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 whereas, and then and, and I think most people would agree that there is completely irrational 
Those, publicly, like, why is it that there's this one person in particular that's it, that's at that it, time like you've met? And so I think it's a really good way to explain context blindness. But how does context blindness? What does that have to do with pain? And what does that have to do with the? Well, I said, I said, I said. So when you're when you're in pain, you're relatively aroused. And then when you're aroused, you're more likely to be in pain. <laughs> so as in, a, as in sexually aroused? Or uh, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, uh, uh, maybe not sexually aroused, but uh, stressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so, your so state of arousal, yes, uh, sexual arousal is one aspect of it, no doubt. And but, I don't think it helps you think too mm-hmm. much when you're sexually aroused. Mm-hmm. But I think for... Uh, arousal as a as a global term, not not to talk about stress uh, type thing. Because after we need to redefine stress as a, a bit like maybe a bacteriological stress, a hormonal stress. You've got mechanical stress. You've got digestive stress. You've got emotional stress. You have radiative stress. If you're uh, on uh, on the moon in your uh, in your uh, thing and there's a solar uh, explosion like a coronal mass ejection, I can tell you the radiation you're gonna take is uh, gonna stress you big time to your DNA really. So you're gonna have like uh, you need to have your good dose of antioxidant to try to repair yourself. Kind of okay. So arousal is a, a, a state of mind. Type thing. Mm-hmm. So it's more of an emotional type uh, stress, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and that prevents you from uh, the, the more aroused or the more emotionally stressed, the more, the more, in, the more you're going to experience pain. And the more pain you're going to experience, the more emotionally aroused you're going to be. Mm. Okay? So, so there is a definite correlation between that arousal level and pain. No doubt. Mm. And that arousal level needs to be able to... is correlated with expectation. Is correlated with uh, inflammation. Is correlated possibly to tissue damage as well. Type thing. So you need to really be able to... Uh, having a therapist, having a quick look at... Uh, a glance at uh, the case history and the onset of things. If you've sprained your ankle uh, two, two days ago and you come to me, I'm not going to talk to you about the pain gate at all. We're going to just like look at the inflammation, look at that peace and love rather than the rice type uh, uh, thing in order to compress the area, maybe avoid a few anti-inflammatories, elevate it and uh, look at how is it we're going to be able to maybe look on uh, Amazon to get a wobble board because as soon as you're going to be able to load, put back load on the whole lot, you're going to be able to kind of uh, do proprioceptive exercises and things like that. So you need to uh, teach yourself whilst you're inactive in order to be able to rehabilitate yourself and that's uh, helping you to be quite optimistic anyway and that's 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 like more that's acute pain right that's, that's acute pain yes yeah. that's it that's it, that's it. And, and there's a, a lot to do with acute pain okay mm. but uh, it's uh, usually a self-limiting thing after six weeks ish or you sprain your ankle well how many of us have sprained our sprain our ankle and then he hasn't he has got better after maybe even three weeks really. he can go really quite fast uh, if you've really torn the, you've had an avulsion fracture or whatever it can take a bit longer and like that but let's say after six weeks the tissue is healed you've restored function into the joint and the area and there's less swelling there's less pain or not at all and then you forget that you've actually sprained your ankle Okay, and that's it. But that's acute pain. But the main thing is, in some cases, bizarrely, 
the expectation you had of what you should have been able to do had your ankle not be painful is stressing you no end. And therefore, you're going to start no, because you don't have a plan of action in order to remain quite optimistic about the outcome of that injury. You start to be aroused. And you start to be like, oh no, I need to stop. Uh, oh, I can't go to work today. Or I can't go and play tennis. Oh, I can't do my uh, competition. Or whatever. You start to withdraw yourself from activity. And your circle of uh, uh, friends. Or your uh, means to actually get income. Or <laughs> quite a lot of things. And, and then that start to, uh, pre that start to prevent the wall... Um, uh, the normal physiological process of healing to actually complete itself, basically. And then, you uh, six months down the line, your ankle is still a little bit swollen, is still uh, uh, painful, you still hop on it, you still can't really play um, uh, sports on it, or, mm. or maybe you can't really go to work, or something like that, really, okay, because it's your low back and it's completely buggered and you were like a, a plasterer or you were doing like painting ceilings and then your back is too painful you can't even stand basically so all those kind of stuff and then all of a sudden you're so stressed by not having had any income because it's not really your back the problem it's what you can do with your back because you're human and you are trying to mitigate the uncertainty of the future day in day out basically. and you're not able to do that because and you're not able to do that because your back is painful and therefore you're starting to freak out because you don't know how to go about because you're not a good musculoskeletal rehabilitation specialist <laughs> yourself so you lack competence about the whole lot and the pain reminds you that it's actually damaged <laughs> as well so you and everybody's telling you oh, you got wear and tear in your back oh my god you spread you you you, you slipped your disc well i'd like to see a bit how it goes mm -hmm. how to slip a disc yeah and maybe you can slip your pants but i don't think you can slip your disc <laughs> but that's another story okay so a lot of the everyday language we talk about is about dramatizing the whole lot yeah. and actually making correlations between one thing and another so you've really hurt your back pretty badly from doing some lifting which was not really that much lifting but nonetheless yeah you were lifting the loo rolls from the boot of the car and your back goes into spasm and the spasm is so intense and the pain is so intense you really uh, think you damage your back in your head okay mm -hmm. and you're crippled and, 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 and uh, six weeks down the line you're still in bed you still haven't gone to work you're uh, starting to get pretty wind up about the whole lot you finally get an appointment with the doctor who sends you to have an x-ray or MRI scan because you're in a lot of pain he's pumped you full of uh, codeine naproxen and diazepam to help mm -hmm. a bit the stuff because it's so painful and we need to reduce the whole uh, inflammation and the muscle spasm and the pain so the pain the cocodamol the spasm the diazepam and the inflammation the naproxen or whatever okay oh and we give you a bit of omeprazole for your stomach lining so we don't fuck your stomach up with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories anyway and you go to have your scan and what happens there's a bulge in your disc oh, the disc is bulged 
no wonder, so we're gonna need it to do surgery, to remove that uh, bulge, basically, which the surgeon is gonna do an, an absolutely fantastic job, because nowadays it's like keyhole, mm-hmm. there's like, there's no scarring, or, or virtually no scarring, it goes in, it's minimal effect, it takes the bulge out, it does macro discectomy, or decompression, all those kind of stuff, and then you're still in pain. And uh, there's a lot of people where, and it's no joke to them because they are still in pain. The, they, they were, the model of thinking is so warped because it, they are talking not about acute pain, they are talking about persistent pain and they are thinking that the tissue is actually damaged and therefore it's causing the pain. Mm. And therefore when it's fixed. When it's removed, the pain should be gone. And no. A lot of people, the pain is actually not gone hmm. in a lot of people. I've had this exact conversation with a lot of my friends who have had surgeries, ankle, knee, and it's mainly those two, to be honest, ankle mm-hmm. and knee. I've had a handful of friends that have it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when they're told by the surgeon that they're probably going to be in pain for the rest of their life. Yeah, with it, after having had the surgery. And which, like, which we, they were sold that it was going to fix the problem. Well, no, initially, nearly all of them, I think actually all of them, thought it was going to solve the problem and then yeah. went away. And then, you know, two months later, the pain... No, because the surgeon said, I'm going to do, I'm going to fix your meniscus or trim a bit the cartilage, your subtalar joint in your ankle. And then uh, we'll see a little bit with the discomfort whether it's going to change something or not. I think the expectation is pretty different than, well, yeah, we'll fix the problem because we're going to do surgery on it, really. In a way, really. I mm. think there's a lot of... We set people... So they set the story up to be like, this is going to this is going to be the panacea. This that's, is it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. So we remove the tissue causing pain and then the pain goes because we've removed the tissue causing pain. Mm. It's that really, really simple way of thinking in a way that's mm. a, that, that, that black and white way of thinking mm. and it's it's the same thing with um, uh, so read some articles about knees and backs uh, well over the last year and there's been lots of um, studies on um, you know like runners with knees and they might have a little bit of uh, like a, like something or whatever mm-hmm. but they have no pain and then people who don't run yeah. their, their knees are like some of them are fine some of them aren't fine but regardless of whether they're fine or not they all have, they have pain yeah. and then the same with back that where they did like they tested uh half like they had half a group of people who were in pain half weren't in pain and a higher percentage of the people who weren't in pain had a reason to be in pain yeah. as in as in medically structurally yeah so it's like oh all of our sudden all of a sudden our knowledge of yeah our our structure and mm-hmm. it's like you said before I've probably got like like the beginnings of arthritis here or whatever yeah. and, I, and, I, and I don't have pain that's it, that's it, that's so it's that's like that's our, it. our idea of pain yeah. which is a really strange concept in itself because yeah, yeah. it because it is weird it's not it's, it's not so, even it's, it's we not, think it's something to protect us yeah. in a way yeah. really. it's because we've damaged us yeah. ourselves really yeah. yeah and it's not like anything else mm-hmm. there's nothing else there's really. no correlation between the amount of wear and the amount of pain hmm if you've got, if you don't have radicular symptoms, I mean, if you don't have shoot, if you don't have pain down your leg, and you don't have a diminished strength into one of your muscles in your leg or in your foot, okay, um, 
the likelihood of what's happening is there's some inflammation in your low back. And we can completely ignore the extent of the wear and tear. Because hmm. some people who've got much more wear and tear than you is going to have no pain. <laughs> But it doesn't have any inflammation. Okay? So the use he has of his back and the expectation he has of what he can do and can achieve with the level of wear he's got in his back is actually uh, met, basically. Mm. So he doesn't... Yeah. So that's so he doesn't experience pain. Yeah, so he doesn't experience pain. Mm. It becomes quite an interesting concept, really. And this, and, is, and this is what's discussed all... Yeah, yeah, in that course. Yeah. The course is really yeah. only trying to... Um, I think we discuss it here a bit more... In, in, not in depth, but... Um, yeah it needs to be put together so there's that second part of the course where we're going to do different body parts and start to apply I think it's a bit of a theoretical um, we need to put uh, uh, on the ground a little bit our theoretical framework and, that's the, first and that's the first part the course we yeah. just finished mm -hmm. is to do with that really. yeah. and I think uh, the discussion we're having now here is going to be really about applying it to different body parts and we'll demonstrate uh, different techniques and a way to integrate the whole lot and a way to actually reframe a little bit what's happening because uh, your shoulder is one thing but and, and a shoulder pain because that's the thing really you experience pain from your shoulder now and it's the pain it's the experience of the pain now okay but your brain is having a bit another aggro from what is it you're going to be able to do if your shoulder is actually painful tomorrow. And you have to think about it now. Mm -hmm. so, and okay? so you're becoming more aroused, more focused. From that, really. More, almost like practicing, you're like becoming, you're like getting better at being in pain. Now, the shoulder, or like, you know, I, I have issues with the, the tops of my back, right. left that's and that's right, it. as you know. Yeah. And, and when I'm in pain with that, yeah. and then I'm thinking about being sat my exercise ball in front of a, a computer for eight hours tomorrow, it's that's like it. all of a sudden, like, oh my God, you might it's actually... like I'm practicing to be in pain for the rest of the evening and for it's that's it, that's it, that's it. And then it's a bit almost fulfilling the whole lot, really, okay? Mm. And so you're actually trying to mitigate the uncertainty of the future that the pain brings you. And therefore, it's not so much your shoulder, but it's the work. <laughs> So it's not maybe your shoulder that you're actually dreading, but more uh, being sat on at the desk uh, doing some computer work. Or is it maybe what is it you do actually with your computer sat? Mm. Not the fact of being sat in front of your computer. Yeah, true. Anyway, that's another one. Again, this is stuff yeah. that's spoken about the course. So yeah. I'm kind of bringing it back to the course because obviously this, the idea of this podcast yeah, is yeah. to try and get yeah, some yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, you know, us talking about yeah, it. we diverge all the time. Of course, that's exactly why we uh, do do a podcast. And answering why is always finding interesting yeah. thing. So, um, I want to talk about the actually like the what. Yeah. So, like the there's the idea is that we do two parts to the course, yeah. right? We do the first part, which is kind of like you know the 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 theory, yeah. 
and outlining the pain gate and yeah. how we're going to approach our approach the, the philosophical framework yeah. a little bit so it's a, not a Cartesian way of doing it mm. definitely and it's a bit that mind-body framework a little bit and a bit of a, we try to go further than that humanistic way of looking at things a bit as well mm. because pain requires all that to be able to be tackled properly So that's the theoretical part on that first uh, module, I think. And then after we look at uh, the pain gate itself and the framework, and the pain gate is divided into two parts, which is the peripheral modulation of the pain and the central modulation of the pain. And the peripheral modulation is divided into three different layers, embryological layers, We got the ectoderm, which makes the skin and the central nervous system and the peripheral and the nervous system. We get the mesoderm, who does <coughs> the muscle, the connective tissue and the joint, mm -hmm. okay, a bone. And we get the endoderm, who makes all the organs. Okay, um, it's a bit more complicated than that because part of your heart has got a bit of endoderm, mesoderm, mm -hmm. and ectoderm, whatever. It's um, not quite as black and it's white. It's not quite as black and white, but we, we are not here to do embryology. We are here to do pain gate. Okay? Mm -hmm. And we need to be here to divide the whole lot. So the skin, muscle and the joint, and the, and the gut. Okay? So we're going to uh, discuss a little bit the different techniques, a little bit, uh, theoretically, that can be helping for those, uh, with those three different layers in order to be able to dampen the perception of pain. Okay? And then on the last module, we took a, we took a, a, to a great extent about the central modulation because that's a big part of it, really, and how come we actually prime ourselves to be in more pain or not, basically. Okay, so the philosophical framework helps a little bit to redefine things, and then there's a, a several. Uh, neurotransmitter as well that we talk about and the dopamine, the serotonin and the endorphins are the three key uh, neurotransmitter in your brain that are really the layman should really know about because there's so much out there that actually mimics those kind of uh, things basically and uh, dopamine would be all the stimulant like cocaine especially and maybe uh, amphetamines and things like that. It's mm -hmm. a dopamine, dopaminergic uh, system. It's going to enhance your motivation. That thing. So that's really, well, there's quite a lot of cocaine use and uh, amphetamine use in the world. Mm -hmm. I think there's uh, something like 150,000 tons of cocaine produced or something like that. <laughs> It's completely something. Completely feels good to be motivated. It feels good to be motivated and therefore that's why it's quite Uh, something that people quite like to do. Mm -hmm. um, the serotonin, well, there's all the serotonin reuptake inhibitors, all the antidepressants they are nowadays for any kind of little blue moment we can have, that thing, and we pop a pill to actually enhance our serotonin level. And then there's the opiates, which tends to uh, be with uh, endorphins, which actually uh, deal with your uh, reward. So you have an expectation and you want to try to fulfill it in the world, you need to be motivated and you need to be um, intentional. You need to have some intention. So you need to activate your body in the world to actually be able to fulfill that need. Okay, And that requires dopamine. 
Okay? And the potential of doing that without losing too many feathers is maybe quite limited. So we've got a mechanism that actually is going to dampen pain a little bit, which is uh, endorphins. Because at the end of the day, after having done some gardening, well, you might be having created a little tears in your back or in your shoulder or in your muscles, in your biceps, because you're pulling weeds, all those kind of stuff. And the endorphin is going to dampen your perception of how much you perceive pain, as well as uh, tapping you on the shoulder to say, oh, well done, you've actually uh, acted upon uh, your expectation in the world and you've activated yourself with your body and you've actually uh, achieved something because you, now your garden is really nice and therefore well done and another endorphin doing that and if you've done a bit of that it gives you a little bit of serotonin that's um, putting you a bit in that dominance hierarchy a little bit so you know your place in society or you know your place in the world a little bit really maybe gardening is not maybe the best example for that but it's one part of it really. I think it's one okay. of the best examples for it because yeah. it's you know lots of especially like you can cultivate your garden and then you can put a wall exactly. around your garden. Yeah, and, then you can and there's, lo- there's lots to do and you do it in your own way. And also, I don't want to like stigmatise or, or put people in boxes or whatever, yeah. but generally older people do gardening. Yeah, yeah. And generally older people seem to be like, I mean, the mental health issue is not within the older generations of people. Yeah, yeah. And... So or less, or less so. Le- yeah. There's quite a lot of loneliness in. Sure, but yeah. it's but like the the like depression and SSRIs and stuff. Yeah. It's like, most of it's like forties and under. Yeah, yeah. And it's like with people doing something that's manageable in yeah. the back in their back garden, and then getting the reward from it. I think so, it. And it's like having that intent. What's the word you used a minute ago? Like activating. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. You need to be intentional. Yeah, yeah. that's. I think that's unbelievably interesting and for some people who are depressed or lots of people for anyone who's who's depressed it's like it's the hardest thing to act intentional and do something that's it, that's but it's it. the number one thing that's going to help you f- figure things out and even if even if it's something that you don't you, that doesn't give you meaning because it's not you know working and you want to you, you want to be an f1 engineer or something but you know, the only job you can get is working at the bar car, that, or, or a car mechanic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, but it's still, it's still going to give you, you're still going to find some meaning within it. And if it's a stepping stone, then just acting with intent and getting, getting some momentum and going and stuff, mm-hmm. it's going to really help you get out of that negative and state. And it gives you a bit more control. It gives you some competence. It gives you a sense of uh, status. It gives you some uh, financial security. It gives you a meaningful relationship with others because you're going to talk about engines and carburetors and stuff mm. like that. Where you can't really talk about that with your wife. Mm. And then of the day, <laughs> those kind of stuff really. So yeah, I think any kind of, uh, thing, but you need to have a bit of intention when you actually set to do it, really. And I think the whole, the the great part of it, and we like uh, Jordan Peterson for that uh, forever, basically, is uh, dragons. Basically, we need to slay dragons, and 
is a very interesting thing of uh, being in the UK and in England especially here because the patron saint of England is St. George really mm -hmm. and uh, uh, when you ask uh, when I ask my patient who is the patron saint of England oh St. George oh, what does he do oh, he sits on his horse yeah no as well yeah. <laughs> he sits on his horse but what does he do oh, he slays a dragon he kills a dragon ok great what does the dragon uh, hoard what does the dragon keep oh, gold ok great the dragon uh, hoard gold basically yeah. so if you kill the dragon you get the treasure right, exactly so yeah. you motivate yourself you get a goal killing the dragon and you put some intention into it you might the dragon might breathe fire and you might lose a couple of feathers but we've got endorphins that's okay and uh, once you've done the whole lot you got the treasure and the treasure is maybe uh, knowing where you are in that uh, uh, position in uh, in society and having a bit of serotonin really mm. uh, and I talk about pain as well being a dragon as well of course and the main reward you have from actually managing your pain is to regain the headspace that pain takes away from you. So the head, we smash your big toe now, and uh, how much, how much are you going to be able to concentrate on uh, on the podcast? It's going to be quite difficult. Hmm. Because the, the pain is going to be taking so much of your headspace, it's going to be quite difficult. And then after a while, you're going to start to think, am I going to go back home? Because I might not be able to drive, mm. in a way, really. So then, now you're thinking about in an hour's time when your big toe is going to have swell, swelled and you're not going to be able to fit even in your shoe, and you're not going to be able to drive all those kind of stuff. So imagine the headspace you start to take, and then you start to realize, yeah, Alexis, the bastard, he doesn't have a bad, he doesn't have a bad big toe, and he can really drive back home. And it looks like everybody outside can do it, really. Okay? Psychotic about it. That's think it. About how how. How easy your work, yeah. That's it, that's it. Because yeah. it's that as well. You have to contend. Just rehearsing being in more pain. Or in more pain, pain and things like that, and things like that. So uh, being able to really dampen and shrink the headspace pain takes away from you is really the best dragon you can you can have slayed because the, the treasure is limitless. And mm. the main thing we talk with, as well with the human givens is we are not too sure what is it we could do. Would we be able to use our brain a little bit more? That's the thing, really. And a bit more evenly, right and left, or whatever, really. And I think pain is a hindrance in us being able to uh, achieve a bit of a higher level of consciousness. That's the one aspect of it. And the treasure is limitless, in a way. And, and this is... a societal problem when it comes to pain. Mm. And we've got a big opiate epidemic and a lot of people are bypassing all the fighting with the dragon and they get the treasure. With with the opiate based the reward system. That's it, the reward system. So exactly. this is when you you I think you've mentioned it in this podcast, but you've definitely spoken about it on like the intro to the course and maybe some other bits and pieces or maybe other podcasts. You you talk a lot about reframing our um, idea or our perception or the way we look at pain. Mm -hmm. And this this is something that from hanging out with you for the last year or so absolutely took me a while to understand but then blew my mind when I did because it was like oh this is this is a mechanism within my body that isn't something that I should just dampen with with opiates or, or codeine basically in mm -hmm. the UK codeine mm -hmm. and 
and I should I should listen to it kind of thing or feel it and then and try and think about maybe why I've got it and maybe reframe my why idea of it, pain exactly. and then if you if you use the metaphor of the dragon and the pain being the dragon and then if you're able to like for me it's a big dragon because I still even now mm-hmm. like the last week or so yeah. have had some of my pains come back and yeah. n- now I'm rethinking about why and I think I've understood why uh-huh. a little bit more mm-hmm. and so it's like it's quite a big dragon and then mm-hmm. as you say like the 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 treasure is is limitless well mm-hmm. the, the treasure, headspace the exactly. headspace you get back from not having too much tension into your shoulder and having that headspace taken away from you, I think it's quite big, really. And you, it's a, it's let's not pathologize pain. That's the one big message about persistent pain. It's not a pathology. It's actually a blessing. And and that's the weird part. It's the best thing that can have happened to you would be to have had pain in your shoulders when you go to work and when you sit on your ball at work because he's telling you there is something that is not quite right okay and what is it you need to shoulder how much meaning do we bring back to the whole thing or is it just a dead end and it's just like completely bad really okay so yes posture is great really but of course why is the muscle what's the skin which area is it is that the thing really so what's part of the skin oh yes just in the area oh okay oh the C7 that's my uh, the root of my neck and because I sit a little bit in that pattern there's a bit of shearing in my neck okay oh which is the muscle uh, that could influence that oh well there's trapezius there's your sternocleido and ah oh, oh there's my pecs as mm. well I will tend to roll my shoulder a bit forward because I'm mm. this way okay so we know about that and which organ can be involved as well really okay what's going to be just there well, your lung a little bit really and, and what's linked with your lung by your diaphragm and because you breathe so all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a framework to help you even if it's not to give you meanings about dragons and met- metaphysical type stuff uh, straight away you know where the skin is you know which uh, spinal segment is involved you know which muscle is actually affecting the whole thing posturally and you need which organ is actually involved Bing. What do we do with that? Oh, we can do maybe a few breathing exercises. Oh, we can stretch your pecs. Oh, we can. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're starting to mitigate the mechanical stress you're under, the organ stress you're under. We talked about the vagal break with the breathing and the 7-Eleven breathing technique, all those kind of stuff, which actually reopens a bit your blinkers about the whole lot. And then after, yes, uh, what is it you're shouldering at the moment? Because oh, if it's a pain in the shoulder... I don't know if it's your Achilles heel and if you got Achilles tendinitis maybe huh, if you're a bit of a pain in the neck as well or <laughs> anyway we don't like to be kneeling too much as well we can be gutted all the rest and things really okay so what is happening at work that you might feel is actually leading you to think that you have to shoulder the whole lot really maybe that's one way of looking at it mm. there's plenty of ways there's to, loads of stories. Uh, to, lots of stories. And you like it. you like talking about the pain in the neck. The, yeah, um, I've got shoulder. It's amazing in English. There's so many because Why? there's so many expressions because it relates to emotional state. So it's almost it's completely like, insane. People are. In like the UK. We've always had these stories that like. Yeah. We've always had these stories that have related a pain in yeah. a body part yeah. back to like 
maybe the context of, of a story That's and you it. having that pain. At last, so, at last. Someone being a pain. He's shouldering the world. Yeah. Really, he's, he's having the world on his shoulder, really. Is that the thing, really? It's all the, all that the whole thing, really. Because the main problem with pain is that you think you're the only one who's in pain. When actually, you're part of, a, you're just one of the cog in a massive chain. You're gonna have 1,000 generations after you. Of your, your son, 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 sons. And you've had your dad's, 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 And you're just there in the middle. It's just like, it's the same, same continuum. You have had so many people before you who had to actually, well, 40,000 years, we think. Not much more. Who had to actually think about the fact that the pain in their shoulder was going to hinder their ability to do things tomorrow. And what is it they were doing with the shoulder? What is it we do with our shoulders? What do you do with your knee? Um, uh, I walk. Ah, okay, yeah, you walk. Yeah, no doubt you walk. Yeah. And then what does it do exactly, the knee? Well, it changes the shape of your leg. Isn't it? It makes you from a straight leg and it's uh, making it flexed. So it just it's a hinge. So it changes the shape. The it changes the shape of your leg in order to make you go from A to B. So if it's not about change, if your knee is not about change, there's a bit of a glitch. So if you got a long-standing knee problem, maybe your uh, relationship with change is a bit interesting. Or are you having to handle quite a lot of change at the moment? Uh, oh yeah, or maybe you're avoiding lots of changes. Or you're avoiding, or you're not too sure how to go about it, or whatever. It, it's, not, it's not a crystal ball, but it's it's your me, not mine. But how is it I can help you to figure out what is it you do with it? And actually, we you don't we don't really remember what we do with our knees. That's the thing. What do you do with your hip? What do you do with your low back? What do you do? That's the whole self, really. So if your low back is not about support, I'm not too sure what it can be about, really. So is it financial support? Is it the support from your family? Is it the support from... Is it what you inherit from the past? Is it... That's all the whole lot. There's all the mix in the background, really. Mm-hmm. So there's so... And, and that's pretty interesting because it helps you to fulfill your expectation about support. Yeah, yeah, I don't never have support. Oh, well, uh, great, brilliant. Well, if you never have it, uh, brilliant. Maybe uh, realize that maybe you actually have a bit of support. And actually, or you actually support quite a lot of people. Yes, and maybe it's not very fair. Maybe it's about how fair it is. It's not about the support, really. All those bits and bobs. And I think it helps you direct your attention because your expectation, if unfulfilled, is going to be seen by your brain as a threat and over a long period of time is going to affect your uh, cortisol level and your adrenal gland is going to be a bit dampened in its activity. You're going to have an adrenal fatigue and you'll have less cortisol. And if you have got a sub-threshold of cortisol, what happens? You don't manage inflammation very well. And a humoral part of your immune system. Because it's DHEA as well, which is for your cellular mediated type immune system. Because there's all that as well. There's mm. autoimmune problem, all those kind of stuff will come into play. Because there's some inflammation into them. Oh no, strange. How come? It's almost like people don't actually need to buy the course and they can just listen to this podcast and we just cover the hairs of all stuff and, and more. But, and it's, more, uh, more. but it, it's it, and all of a sudden it opens us up to a limitless thing. 
and some mm. things has been there forever. And oh, there's no scientific proof. Oh, okay, mm. well, no, no, that's it. Uh, no, there is. There's a lot. There's a lot of mm. scientific proof about the whole lot. And the whole thing is, the thing is, we don't use a, a Cartesian framework. We don't use double blind. It's great. You've proven, you've done so many good things, really. But from a medical perspective, you're a bit catextic. It's the way we, because because we take it to be the thing, the gospel, a, a double blind test. Yeah. It works. Therefore, being that drug needs to go to market because it works. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's like, mm, but yeah, yeah. I think, that is good. That yeah, is good. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't. It's a scientific we, process. We shouldn't it's see it as the panacea. It's like it's I like, know, panacea. No, no. I think my brother said. To, I think. And, and, and I think it's me. just fifty-one. It's fifty-one percent of the cases exactly. work compared to forty-nine percent of and the cases who doesn't. So it's actually there's more likelihood of it working than there is not working by just uh, one one stand, standard deviation which is and, very little and although although double blind placebo test is, is excellent and it's definitely it's one of the best things that we've come up with scientifically scientifically, yeah, scientifically. Yeah, yeah. my brother was saying to me I think um, yeah it was and he, he works for the NHS make, he's a project manager making drugs and he said ibuprofen if it was to go through the testing and had the same results that it had that led it to market yeah. now wouldn't go to market yeah. so it's like but that that surprised me, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, that's actually not surprising because everything we do develops yeah. and we always find issues with it. That's it, that's it, that's it. And, um, and yeah. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's quite an interesting with with the central module, with the, with the pain gate and then, you know, this human givens and the psychotherapy, almost like philosophical side of things. Yeah. It it adds like as you say like an extra few strings to your bow and you're not just looking at it from like a oh mechanically my knee I've had it operated on twice or once or whatever maybe the surgeon messed it up it's like the likelihood of a surgeon messing up something mechanical in your body is so unbelievably slim now because they are obviously amazing at it so it kind of gives you like oh maybe there's somewhere else to look maybe there's this other pool of and you had a bit too much of an external locus of focus you wanted somebody to deal with your problem and to solve it for you and that kind of brings me back to I wanted to ask you a little bit more for you to clarify a little bit more Mm -hmm. earlier you said and this is something that's really tricky still it's uncomfortable for me to like kind of but you said that you as a therapist you're starting out because you wanted to help people yeah and then you're like but I actually no 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 I wanted to help other people for myself oh uh, no I and wanted to help myself help, basically right by helping people yeah in a way really so but actually I must not try to I must not help people mm. I, I, I will not fix your problem because it's not possible. You cannot delegate how, however you want me to fix the problem. I will not do it. Because I cannot do it. There is no way in the world I can fix your problem. So if someone... Because I'm going to fix just the mechanical part of it. But I'm not going to fix the way you use your knee. And I'm not going to fix the way you think about what your knee is doing. And I'm not going to fix about what the knee means to every, all of us in your head. That's the problem a bit. So that's what you need to do yourself. You have to figure that out yourself. And that's what the beauty of it. I, I care a lot about my patients, about giving them an insight of what a great opportunity pain is. 
for them to fix their problem because only them knows the solution to the problem because they can explore the skin, the muscle, the joint, the organ. They can explore their arousal level. They can explore the meaning behind the part. They can explore which of the needs they sought they were not going to be able to fulfill if their uh, their part was actually not functioning properly. They can start to look at the whole lot uh, quite in a bit of a broader fashion. And that's for them to do because I can't do that for them. I can't do it for it for you. Uh, I'm trying to do it for myself already. So I think I found quite good stuff and I'm at work at I'm slaying dragons uh, every day. <laughs> quite, quite a fair bit. And, and, and that's quite an interesting thing in yeah. a way. But I need others to, at times, because I can't see the bloody forest, the trees from the forest. Mm. That's the thing, really. I'm too embroiled and I want to, it to be a quick fix. Oh yeah, it's just not that. No, it's not that. It's mm. something else. But you need to be highlighted about it. So going to a human-given therapist, for me, is quite an important thing. I go to acupuncture at times, and I like to go to massage. So I do quite a fair bit, and I like having others giving me a hand to actually okay. uh, help me manage different bits and bobs. Really. Mm. So if I go to a masseuse, and uh, she works on the muscle chain about the whole thing, if I go to Christina... Tyser, in a troll, and she uses her MET and, and the whole thing and, and open the whole shoulders and work on my quads and machine and the whole lot. It works pretty interestingly. She helps me manage my uh, peripheral modulation. Mm. And uh, if I talk with my wife about the way we bring up the kids, all those kind of stuff, and we try to have a framework to be able to talk about it so we don't headbutt each other because we got different views about the whole lot. And we can put things thing, we can uh, find lots of solutions to problems really we and we can think a bit more clearly it's about clear thinking a little bit so that's the whole thing about the course we need to help people to think a bit more clearly and open up the whole realm of possibilities and lay the we are such a complicated organism it's it's beyond belief the things we don't even know about anything and the more we know about things the least we know which is completely insane okay there's so much more so we can't make hey, it's painful let's take some painkillers and it's gonna be better yeah for horses it works really well <laughs> for horses it, I can tell you it works bloody freaking well and and you've said that it does work obviously it works very well for humans and sometimes it's necessary for humans oh, yeah, for, yeah. Very, for a very short period. period of time yeah no problem yeah, yeah. you lose uh, all your family in a car accident uh, if you don't need a little bit of a lift uh, for your mood uh, I can tell you <laughs> it's going to be pretty tricky for you to manage a lot and it's 21st century it's pretty good to do the stuff if you need surgery on your knee to have a good uh, a spinal block with some uh, interesting anesthetics and things like that you don't have to have a piece of leather between your teeth for the whole thing to be cut okay mm. <laughs> or uh, 21st century let's not let's not poo poo yeah. uh, scientific advances but uh, we can't have scientific advances who are actually looking at a smaller and smaller and smaller part of the whole lot we need to be able to re-expand the whole self and look at the whole context a bit we treat humans we don't treat body parts we don't treat tissue we treat humans and that's bonkers that's the bonkers part really and if we bring meaning into the stuff however it is 
that's the thing really it's archetypal really um, the rapid part of it that's the whole thing as well it's about pattern matching a little bit really we pattern match really and we um, the Maoris when they look at the sky they don't see a bear because there's no freaking bears in New Zealand okay there's no way there's a bear in the sky of the Maoris okay but in uh, Europe there's bears yeah bears everywhere okay we got bloody the big bear okay in the sky it's a massive one everybody knows it okay and at the same we pattern match about our environment about our world and our brain is really catering for that really it's a metaphorical representation of the whole thing really it's not so much your knee but it's what you can do with your knee and it's what others have done with their knees before you mm-hmm. and what other people after you will do with their knees that's the whole thing really if we still have knees in another thousand generations really which is likely because we need it <laughs> to go from A to B and to help us with change and uh, deal with change yeah that's it that's it because it's because that's something that's gonna not change yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna stop change is not gonna that's change it, that's it that's it especially with uh, the new prime minister we are having it's gonna be it's an interesting be, one yeah. we were so happy uh, the previous one was there and it was no change we stayed Let's not change anything. Yeah, right. yeah. That is so important. Let's not pe- put people on their knees. Uh, uh, others are going to co- be quite happy to throw everybody on their knees. Yeah, I think Boris Johnson's going to do a pretty good job. Yeah. yeah, good. I think he's maybe. Good. Yeah. yeah, at least he's going to move. Because yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do we do with our knees? We go from A to B. Huh? That's it. Huh? Yeah. If you keep your knee all straight, uh, 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 even uh, if we don't want to go interrupting to, to, to with B, it's probably better than being at A. Yeah. Um, when whilst wanting to be at B, it's even worse. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we've done the first part of the course, which yeah. is uh, it's not going to be very much money, like a, a few pounds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then five quid, four pound ninety nine. Yeah, and then and it's just excluding uh, VAT. It's like uh, <laughs> it's just setting the base. Yeah. Their understanding pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then the second second part of the course is going to tackle body parts. Yeah. And how to apply the whole thing to the body part. And, and it's and it's it's going to sound pretty pretty straightforward to people. People know people will all like stories because that's that's why they embed side stories. That's what we do to our kids usually. We 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 we, we tell them stories. And we like to tell each other stories. That's why people like to watch Emmerdale. But don't tell anybody. Or, or, or EastEnders. Or anything. Or Game, of, of, Game of Thrones. Because yeah. in Emmerdale, the dragons are not really... Oh, they're always the same a bit, really. But what, in in, in, in Emmerdale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Game of Thrones, there's definitely dragons. So that we can really yeah. do the whole lot. It's all about stories. It's all stories. We like to be entertained. Our bodies are entertaining us, and it's and, been for a while, really. And us being in pain is is in fact, in a way, a story that we've that we really believe about us being in pain. It's like we feel obviously the pain is it's not made up or uh, whatever. No, there's nothing more real than pain, of course. But the, you know, you're talking about maybe like having an issue with knee and maybe we're not so comfortable with change or maybe it's something else or whatever Mm -hmm. so it's like 
we've believed a, a story that we've built over years yeah. that we're not comfortable with change or yeah. that we're not getting the right support yeah. and we believe that we shouldn't do yeah. anything or act upon that and story. It's, and it's, uh, you're imbibed in the whole story. Mm. Whether you know the story or not, exactly. your brain knows the story yeah. and your circuitry and your wiring and your pattern matching and your ability to make metaphorical representation of things is what it's on about. You are um, actually a story and you share the story with the 7 billion people on Earth. And that's where the expectation fulfillment theory kind of comes in. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing. It's all about dream and... Slow wave sleep is, I mean, it's completely like it's about physiological process, it's linking the mind and the body. It's just like E equal MC square in your brain, in the way of looking at people and their way of, of approaching the world and dealing with change, not the thing a bit, and dealing with uncertainty and dealing with the future, really, dealing with time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's it's uh, it's absolutely the ramification of it can be under a uh, maybe even spoke about because there's so much more possible that we can even know about what that can be bringing because of a few people could actually after a while maybe a few generations down the line of using that way of doing all of a sudden we'll reach a point where some people may have access to part of their brains that we never even dreamt about being able to access or or framework or, or patterns or in a way or access being able to access parts of their brain in a way that we didn't even exactly which is locked in but we are such a low level of functioning that we can't really have access to that uh, next part because we need to really solve that really mm. and that's, that's I mean that's the fact that there's more blocked in into our genetic pool and the way the whole stuff is expressed with our uh, physiological processes and mental processes and our consciousness of being conscious <laughs> like you, you, you can't even I don't know it's really quite It's really exciting. It's mm. really like to be able to have had the opportunity to put that in 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 place and in practice. And, and yeah, you cannot but look forward to waking up tomorrow morning and having more adventures, really, because it's it's really awesome. Really. Another day of slaying dragons. Another day of slaying dragons, really. And yeah, maybe bigger ones as well, because mm. you need to train with little ones. And then yeah. Then you're sure you're not going to lose too many feathers. And, and then you're, you're going to learn how to tackle them, how to tackle learn them. how to find them, that's it. blah, blah, blah. And then, you, yeah. and then you're your friend with uh, the Extinction Rebellion who are really well-intentioned and who really want to... But who are not very positive. They are a little bit uh, negative. They are a little bit... They are not very optimistic. That's a bit the problem. They, they would really do with uh, slaying dragons themselves a little bit and not waiting for others to do it so and not shouting at others not asking or demanding other people begging others yeah. it's not a really good look in my opinion yeah uh, it's tricky because obviously from their perspective change isn't happening or fast it's, enough or it's not happening fast enough that's it, that's it, that's or it, that's it's that's not it. happening in the right direction that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's and that's my issue with it personally in that I haven't read anything from anyone that's definitive about what direction we should take 
and and how we should tackle the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't believe that there's a climate crisis because I think that's pretty unden- undeniable. Mm-hmm. But it's like how I don't. I, but it's not really. Let's not make it a climate crisis. Let's make it a, a meaning crisis. Yeah, but that's, that's the thing. That's, the, the that's fr- a tricky thing because the I, framework because I we have. I don't. Why, why is it you? That the thing? Like uh, you want to do communist way? It's uh, fucked up. You want to do Nazi way? That's definitely Not if we we agree, it's fucked up. Okay, and we do the liberal way, and we know there's quite a lot of flaws, but it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, really. And unless we find a different humanistic way of doing. We coin a different way, and it's uh, uh, quite applicable, and it's an evolution to what we are doing already now. Yeah, why not really? But the problem is, we fall back to a communist way, we fall or Marxist way, we fall back into liberal way, and we fall back into a, a Nazi, Nazi way, okay? Like or evolutionary humanistic way, okay? So that's the problem really. We need to evolve, but we can't. So we have the liberalism, the liberal mechanism. Great, but what is it we do with it at the moment? And that's maybe what the, what the problem is, really. That's what, maybe what is it that we do at the moment? Well, we do for all. That is meaningful. Mm. Well, we go, we, not for all. We do very little that is meaningful for all of us. Mm. That's it. And the, what we think is meaningful for a few is actually not meaningful for the rest. Mm. that's the main problem and this again for me kind of bringing it back a little bit to the to the pain yeah. and the car texture and it, and it brings and, a lot of pain and it the, brings a lot of yeah, pain and, and, and the context it. blindness that's it, that's it, that's I think it. a lot of people are in pain yeah a lot of people have bad sleep yeah and a lot of people that I t- talk to yeah. it's anecdotal of course yeah. have bad sleep because they dream loads yeah and, and including myself yeah and I think that's unbelievably interesting and with the card texture, mm-hmm. uh, context blindness, right, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like there's a lot of things that I used to do and that I still do, yeah. but I'm working on it, yeah. that that I think is really meaningful. Yeah. Really, really meaningful. Yeah. Go, go and have a pint with friends. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that at yeah. all. Yeah. But if you're doing that instead of slaying some dragons that need to be slayed before the before the next week starts, that's it, that's it, that's it. so maybe you need to figure out how to get rid of some of those dragons before you enjoy that pint with your friends. That's it, that's it. And it's like... And also, what meaning does that have? Oh, conversation with your friends, and that's always good, and mm-hmm. you know, building relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe you, ba- you bounce ideas because maybe they've been slaying dr- the same dragons than you. Yeah, but also, also maybe doing that two to three times a week or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that that reduces its meaning, or, or you know, you're having the same conversations, mm-hmm. you're not really going anywhere with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite an interesting thing because obviously you rationalise it because you want to go and have that pint. You want to get those that spike of serotonin and blah blah yeah. blah, but realistically, if you this is where I think of this is how I think of delayed gratification. It's mm-hmm. like if you think of that as the gratification, and you mm-hmm. delay it for a little bit longer, and you mm-hmm. do slay some dragons, and then mm-hmm. go have that. Yeah. A, you get a better feeling. B, you've yeah. got some dragons to talk about that yeah. you slayed. Yeah. And C, it's like mm-hmm. actually going for a pint and hanging out with friends or playing some pool or whatever yeah. is actually quite self self absorbed self-involved whereas if you want to have some meaning it's like what's it you said about intentionally moving in in the world yeah Yeah, it's like intentional if if you want to have that it's like work towards something that you find meaningful Mm -hmm. that could be doing your grade six on an instrument that could be working towards helping your mum pay for her bathroom refill or something anything but 
all of those things have more meaning yeah. than being a few people at pool down the pub yeah. every Thursday, Friday and Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite an interesting thing that's actually quite difficult. And the reason why I think this links in with pain, A, because people who don't have meaning generally in pain, yeah. is... Prioritizing. Because it's like, yeah, and being, and humility. And it's like looking, looking mm-hmm. at yourself and, you know, there's loads of big words of like gratitude and mm-hmm. empathy and, um, and, and stuff going around in, in the like self-help and yeah. space. But it's like with pain and you saying stuff like people that you have rehearsed and you've become good at oh, being in pain. Right, it's like, what? No, what? Okay, stop. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen in anymore. And yeah. it's like, that's fine. But if you're completely realistic with yourself honest and, with yourself yeah. and honest with yourself and that might mean that you need to go on a cycle ride uh, my, my brother his form of meditation is washing his van yeah. or like or breathing or meditating or yoga you yeah. might need to do those things to de-arouse yourself but if you can really think about the patterns and the things that you're doing within life mm-hmm. there, there is definitely because mm-hmm. no one's perfect yeah. there are definitely some things that you could cut out to sacrifice a little bit mm-hmm. in the aim of maybe spending a bit more time with your son mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. you know you know I'm not saying spending time with your son is a dragon but mm-hmm. it's like if it's something that but you don't do, necessarily not doing really it do, now not doing it now that's, uh, that's a dragon. the dragon is not going to be able to be slayed if uh, uh, tomorrow you say oh I wish I had spent some time with him today yesterday because mm. it's finished you can't do it really mm. oh I wish I had spent some time with uh, <laughs> so don't let that dragon get any bigger and spend that's some it, time with it, your it. son yeah. or you know and I think I think that's one, of the, one of the biggest things the thing, really. like the humility of trying to look at yourself and it's it's like for, it's never ending for me as I say like we've what we've spent a fair amount of time with each other for over a year maybe 18 months now yeah. um, trying to do different videos and trying mm-hmm. things out and figuring yeah. out where working and then podcast yeah. blah 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 and it's like and you've spoken about all this stuff Ever, ever since yeah. um, and obviously I've been learning about it and I, I find this fascinating and for me there is never I can never be humble enough I can mm. never it's like obviously mm-hmm. I've got a long way to go and I've only been actively putting it into my life for maybe six mm-hmm. months to a year but I could every moment that I'm like oh I'm, I'm going to see my friends a little bit less at these social gatherings that mm-hmm. are going to be really great and really fun but maybe there's some other things that are more meaningful to yeah, me yeah. to do. And you have to be careful not to set too many high expectations on the whole meeting with your friends because that's just yours. Because they've got an agenda as well and it might be different to yours. Sure. In a way. And therefore, you have to be quite clear about the but expectation you have. That's, about a, the, that's the true humility. That's the true, true humility, which is maybe. not just... Well, I think it is. It's mm-hmm. not, for me, the humility isn't just being like you know, really nice to everyone or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. being real with what your expectations are mm-hmm. and how other things in your life mm-hmm. fit in with those expectations. Mm-hmm. So being like, maybe humility is not the right yeah. word, but being as honest, honest honesty. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And those things are time consuming because I need to A, learn them and they're time consuming anyway. Mm-hmm. And going down the pub, three nights a week mm-hmm. it's not going to help me get any of those things mm-hmm. done any quicker little by little the bird makes his nest yeah. for sure yeah. the bird doesn't make his nest with, really that, fast. with that honesty it's like you can never stop being more honest with yourself like mm-hmm. little by little mm-hmm. making some honest changes mm-hmm. and then oh maybe there's another honest change that you can make next week and then a little bit more yeah. and with pain 
I think that kind of confronts it or it, it gives you ah, bah, an incentive to actually do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but that's for sure. Or, or you can bury your head in the sand and do the ostrich and then, yeah, great. That's an, there's all the opportunities. Uh, I, uh, with the whole way, there's no way to impose it on anybody. It's just, uh, uh, it, I, I suggest, and I think a lot of people who use the pen gate and who do a great work about the whole stuff as well, who use that model, uh, are able to do. It's just the model. That's it. Try to do it really. And uh, exp- if I talk to you about uh, uh, intimacy and privacy, well, you have, I have to contend with it as well. You have to contend with it. And you know, you've uh, got a girlfriend, well, you've got very little privacy, you've got uh, some intimacy. And all of a sudden, you, she ditches you, you've got no intimacy, and you've got shitloads of privacy. <laughs> so all of a sudden, it just, it just it changes all the time. But we can talk about you having been dumped by your girlfriend. And then that's pretty arousing. And then we're not going to be able to uh, talk too much longer about the whole lot. About anything else. Anything else. Yeah. Because it's too much of a, a sensitive subject. But talking about intimacy and privacy, you chuckle about the whole thing. Because it's, mm. <laughs> it's like... It's, it's, a, context. it's, a, it's yeah. a context, really. Mm. So you can't... You, you can't take the horse... You can't take the horse to water. You can't make it drink. The horse needs to be willingly uh, doing the whole lot because he needs it. And he he realizes he needs it. That's all, really. And if you can be sold a a, a framework like that, however you use it, even if you just do the peripheral modulation, it's fab, really. But having a bit the whole central modulation and understanding the meaning you can have in the whole lot, it adds so much more depth to the whole thing. Really, you do, really. And it's, I'm not too sure whether we need to be humble about it, but I think we need to be motivated to do it. And I think the dopamine part of it plays quite an important role to it. Really. Mm. And, and it's, a, it's not an easy task. We go be against the grain. It's not instant messaging. You have to ride the world, get on your horse, do 12 hours, change horse because it's just died. Uh, walk a bit more, kill a few people, get on another horse, do the whole lot, and deliver the message. And then you need to get the response, and then do the whole thing back. It's a really tedious way, and it takes time. But what else do we have to do? Anyway. We have enough time. What else do we have to do? I don't know. That's where the meaning of the whole thing is, a bit. Liberalism is great, really, but to do what, really? What the meaning behind it, really? Mm. That's it, really. So climate change is a, a meaning crisis, an existential crisis, an individual existential crisis in a very liberal, dri- liberal, humanistically driven uh, world, basically. And that's the whole thing, really. And if we don't go back to having some meaning in the world, we go in a wall for sure. And once we're in a wall, we'll, have, we'll bounce of it and we we'll have to do something about it anyway. We're very good at that. Hmm. Yeah, no problem. There's plenty of ways, really. We can start to kill, kill each other. That's going to be adding lots of meaning. We've done that very well. Yeah, we've forever. We're very good at that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And we've, that's, we've, solved, we've, we've, we've that's done solved that. No problem. We've always done that and we're still doing that. That's it, that's it. And it um, gives some people some, some meaning in a yeah. fucked yeah. up, twisted way. That's it. Good luck. 
but they might not be buying the course for for ninety nine. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it's not necessarily. Maybe it's not necessarily the the, the money, but it's the it's a waste of time. Or maybe them. they'll buy it for ninety nine p, but they won't read it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think we we actually maybe for those people we should make it at ninety nine pound actually. So they it would they add value to it. They might think it's actually a good thing. Oh, what? Because it's more... It's more expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, first part of the course, going to be cheap. It's going to be... Yeah. Like, four pounds, five pounds, four yeah, yeah, and yeah. whatever. And it's going to set... It's going to outline... Mm-hmm. It's going to outline the uh, how to understand pain. Yeah, so, yeah. So, like these are the these are the mechanisms... Yeah, the framework. Yeah. ...a human... Yeah. Mind and body. Yeah. Human. Yeah. That... Uh, that are the reasons why we experience pain and yeah. specifically talking about persistent pain. Yeah. Um, because pain that resolve itself is people are not going to buy the course because they're not in pain. People are going to buy the course because they're still in pain. They yeah. can find a solution yeah. to the problem. Sure. But, I mean, if people do want to buy it to understand pain, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because everyone knows someone in pain for sure, yeah, that's it, that's it. then obviously there's that... And we're going to work from from now, like through August, and then in yeah. September we're going to start filming the second part of the course, which yeah. will work on individual body parts. Yeah, cool. and then we might try to release that uh, in two thousand and twenty, twenty twenty, twenty twenty, and then um, that's the other thing I wanted to sort of kind of bring up. I guess is the idea of this first part of the course is um, obviously it's. So, so far as we see it at this point mm-hmm. it's all there yeah. and it's like a really good foundation yeah. of understanding pain mm-hmm. but we we also have spoken about redoing it and developing it yeah, yeah, yeah. and it and will so evolve hopefully uh, after people's after having talked about it and having had comments from people hopefully people might be wanting to engage with the whole lot and have things to say about how excellent it is or how horrible that is and how, how can we say those kind of things and hopefully we'll be able to engage with those people as well because it's very interesting to know why people are so upset about the whole lot really and and because we're quite happy to take responsibility for the whole thing really it's going to be a bit difficult to argue about the whole thing really of of it but because it's pain and it's for everybody the same really mm. yeah um, but there's definitely going to be things that we we can do we can make better sure. we can word it better we can be a bit more inclusive and more PC about yeah. the whole lot yeah. Yeah. for sure whether we want to or not is a different story well yeah and I think <laughs> the idea of people being able to comment and leave yeah, yeah, that's it. I don't it's know, great, maybe we, we do a, a podcast on it every month or something. Mm-hmm. We answer some of those questions. questions yeah, it's like, it's good it's like regardless of whether they don't like us being PC or not, yeah. they pro- hopefully they have more substance behind their comment and then we can we can address it. And that's that's that actually it. for me is like, that's quite an exciting idea because yeah, it's, yeah. you know, I think that's, if someone's... It's less catechistic. It's less catechistic. Because yeah. if it's uh, the two of us doing the whole lot, we're in we're Our a little bubble. bit in, yeah, in a resonance bubble, a little yeah. bit of echo chamber. Echo chamber, resonance bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the echo chamber, exactly. So we need to expand the whole lot a bit and have other people commenting on it. But yeah, I guess it's a universal subject, so it should really attract people and people who are going to want to say things about it, really. And, because well we know how it's being dealt with anyway 
Mm. So we could have doctors coming here and talk to with us if they want about their model of pain and how they go about doing it and how the NHS and the system does it because we know it's pretty clear there's lots of research about it and yeah. there's lots of facts and lots of things and that's it really um, and, and how is it working for them really that's it really uh, um, how many less people there is in pain every year And actually, there's much more pain, much more pain every year, and there's much more addiction to opiates every year, and there's much more suicide every year, and there's much more <laughs> of it all, and people on uh, uh, mood stabilizing medication, and mm. maybe more people taking drugs. It's like um, recreation. We're, we're, we're living longer. We're living longer. Great. And everyone's like, "Yeah, we never live longer." Blah blah blah. But it, Well, I can't remember who was saying this earlier, but it's like it doesn't look like we're having a better quality of life for that time. That's it. That's it. That's it's it's like, it. do you really want to live longer, but miserable for like a lot of it? That's it. That's it. That's it's, like, it. it's quite interesting, as you say. Like addiction's gone up, recreational drug use, blah blah blah, blah yeah. blah 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 blah. There's loads of like of um, suicide I mean, and an attempted suicide. That's it, that's it's like it. it's very interesting statistics. So it's that's like, it, it. although medicine has done loads of incredible things, mm -hmm. like all sorts of amazing stuff mm -hmm. maybe there are some limitations and um, yeah so yeah we'll yeah, uh, that's maybe we can wrap it up and then uh, talk uh, and another stage about the, the second part of it and what we've got in store for people yeah, in a month or two a month or two about it really yeah let's organize our ideas on that and then uh, that's it that's it come out to the end of a month that's it cool good job thank you Alexei thank you Idiot.